Morning. It's a great joy and a great privilege to be able to share with you an, an amazing, an outstanding story from the Bible this, uh, this morning. And we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to be looking at a, a significant story in the life of a man called Abraham. Before we start, I just want to sort of give you a little bit of context of where we're cutting into his life so that you can place everything. Abraham is a man who uh, grew up as a young man not knowing God at all. And as he uh, got into what we'd consider later life, God speaks to him and says to him, Abraham, I want you to uh, live a life where you're following me. I want you to trust in me. I want you to step out and I want you to leave your homeland, your business, and I want you to go somewhere and I'll tell you when you get there that you're there. And Abraham has a great sadness in his his life and his sadness is that he and his wife have been unable to have children. His wife, the Bible terms, is barren. She can't bear children at all. And God promises Abraham, if you can follow my lead, I will make you not just a father of a son, but a father of a great nation. And Abraham um, puts his hope and his love into God. And Abraham steps out. And for over 35 years, Abraham has been living his life, listening to God and following what God is asking of him. And in the previous chapter, set about 10 years previously, um, Abraham has seen the promise fulfilled. He's been given his son by Sarah, his wife, and have named him Isaac. He's made a peace treaty with the people in the land that God has led him to, and he's managed to settle. Life seems great. Life is good. Abraham has been following God, and God has brought him to a place of security, and God has given him his son. So we're going to read um, chapter 22, the first 14 verses. The words will be on the screen as I read through, if you haven't got a Bible. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Then he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. 
he said, Behold, the fire in the woods, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Wow, what a story. What a moment in Abraham's life. And what a, a sea change in his experience from following God. And this morning, I want to draw out three points to help us as we explore what it means to step out in faith, what it means to know God, and what it means to look to Jesus in all that we do. Um, the first point I want to share with you occurs right at the beginning of this story. Um, and that is, Abraham and God have a really close, intimate relationship. Look at the first verse. God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Abraham isn't thunderstruck or amazed. Where's that voice come from? Abraham isn't looking around and thinking, what's going on here? This is a regular, normal part of Abraham's life. Now, I think it would be remiss to move on without taking just a moment to think how incredible this is. We're talking about Abraham, a man who's got nothing particularly special about himself. And God, the creator, the sustainer, the author, the, the God who, with a word, spoke the universe into being. God who sustains every single atom and every single molecule and doesn't break a sweat in doing so. God who, at a moment's notice, could breathe out and bring an end to all things. God makes himself available to Abraham, not in a, a great authoritarian, kingly, and purely kingly way. No, God makes himself available to Abraham in an intimate and a personal relationship. 
And that's amazing. You know what else is amazing? That's the same relationship that you can have with God right now. God cares so much for each and every one of us. God cares so much for you that he longs for you to have a deep and meaningful relationship with him. And the first point I want you to consider this morning is to ask you, um, how do you view your relationship with God? Would you look at Abraham and think, oh yes, that's, that's my experience. Or like me, do you look at Abraham and think, wow, that's something I want more of. You see, Abraham is a great example of faith. Firstly, because Abraham is an example of what it means to be in relationship with God. And then if we look at verse 2, you might think that Abraham thinks, I wish God hadn't spoke to me. Um, Because he's given a really difficult task by God. There's no easy answers from me as to how we cope with a difficult request. There's no pithy reason I can give. All I can do is say to we look to the Bible and we pray to Jesus. Um, Now, I can't quite imagine what it would be like to be given such a clear and dramatic request from God. But I want to share a personal story um, of when God has spoken to myself and my wife, Kerry, and how that impacted us. And maybe we can draw parallels to help us understand more about God and who he is and what it means to have faith in him. So many years ago, um, Kerry and I had been married for six years. We both lived um, together in our home, and we lived there for um, the period of our marriage. We, We had settled jobs. We had friends. We were regular members of a church, and we, we were content. And then God spoke to us. In fact, God spoke to me audibly, and it's the only time he's ever spoke to me. And God said, I want you to go. I want you to leave your jobs. I want you to sell your home. I want you to leave the, ta- leave the town of which you've got family in. And I want you to step out and I want you to train to be a teacher. So Kerry and I um, felt really clearly that God had spoke to us. So we followed his lead. We handed in notice at work. We put the house on the market. I put my application in to become a teacher and um, went through the interview process. And then there was nothing. The university didn't get back to me straight away. The housing market was looking pretty bad. In fact, we'd hit a recession and no one was even coming to view our house. And we had a period of time where we began to question, what have we done? Because we've got a home we need to pay for. 
we've, we've set ourselves to follow God, and it doesn't seem as if it's going to work out. It seems like we might actually be in a worse place for stepping out in faith than if we'd done nothing at all. It felt like we were making a mistake. Now, when we put ourselves in this story here, I can't really emphasize with Abraham with what it means to be asked to sacrifice your son, a son who contains so much more than just the love of a family, but the whole promise of a future. I mean, Kerry and I, we, we could have made things work, I suppose. We could have begged for our jobs back. We could have found another one. We lied on the charity of strangers. But Abraham, he doesn't have this. He can't return to his wife, Sarah, and say, well, this is what I've done. I hope it's okay. <laughs> um, Abraham has something much more profound that he's faced with. But if we look at how he responds in the next few verses, it is an incredible example of how an intimate and close faith with God can motivate someone to step out and um, step out in faith. Let's read this, okay? So we'll pick it up from verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering laid it on Isaac his son and he took in his hand the fire and the knife so they went both of them together wow wow that is an amazing response see Abraham appears to be told this instruction by God and then goes to bed he seems to rest and prepare himself and then go immediately he doesn't wrestle with God. It doesn't say that he prayed all night saying, God, are you sure this is right? His relationship was such that even an extreme command from God, he gathered his possessions that he needed. He gathered his son and he went and he went early and he went straight there and he went for three days. For three days, he held fast to the instruction that God had given him and he didn't waver. His utter confidence is God and his utter confidence is seen in how he responds to God. Um, he even makes plans to, uh, to think, well, what will happen when we get there? Because when he arrives, he says to his servants, I want you to stay here. I and the boy will go on alone. Now, John Calvin has a really insightful view on this when he says that Abraham left his servants so that they couldn't lay hands on a delirious and insane old man. Someone who's gone off into the wilderness and then is going to sacrifice his son... And he thinks, well, 
people might want to stop me because that's not what we normally do. So he makes plans, he makes provisions to make sure nothing can come between him and his God. He puts God before anything else. He puts God before anyone else. And I don't know about you, but I find that a massive challenge and also a massive inspiration. If we read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, we begin to see an insight into how he can behave and act in such faith. When the writer of the Hebrews writes this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. See, Abraham's confidence in God was so secure, he believed that if he followed God, if God wanted, God would raise Isaac from the dead. And metaphorically, that's what happened. See, Abraham offered up his son. And in return, his son was returned to him, but with an added portion of a deepened faith. He got more than he could ever have got himself through stepping out and following where God led him. He knew that God would not let him down. And that is amazing. So how can we apply that to our lives here this morning? Well, the first question I want to ask you is, what is God speaking to you about? The Bible's quite clear. God is speaking all the time. It was through speaking that he brought all things to, um, to be. It's by speaking that he sustains all things. And it's by speaking that he will come again. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us now. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through his Bible. He speaks through the church. He speaks to you in dreams, in visions. He speaks audibly, as I experienced and Abraham experienced. What is God saying to you? And are you listening to God? Are you listening to God? And if we listen... It requires a response. So what is your response to the call that God has placed upon your life? See, Abraham isn't a super spiritual guy. He isn't someone who's been brought up and coached in some sort of spiritualism or something. He is just a regular guy. But God gives him grace. And through grace, he can respond in faith. And we have that same grace. See, God is speaking and listening. And I'd ask you to get involved in the conversation. So, see, Kerry and I, we came through. God came through for us. 
at the last minute of her acceptance of my course, someone offered us a place to live while we did it, and someone came forward and rented our home for the period that I was doing my training. And then, in God's time, God sold our home. And it is incredible, in the middle of a recession, someone, this is true, walked in off the street into an estate agent and said, that house that was for sale six months ago, that was no longer up for sale, I want to buy it, and I want to buy it now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and you know what, the sale of that went through just at the right time for Kerry and I to come to Nottingham. So I stand here, my wife sits there, in the full confidence that we are where God wants us to be. When you step out in faith, God provides. And he provides because he's great. He's a loving father. And he wants you to have a deeper relationship with him. When he sends you, it's because he wants you to develop that intimate and deep relationship. So trust in him. See, God in this story provides a substitute for Abraham. Verses 12 and 13 say this. And Abraham sorry, said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. My last point is that do we know that Christ has gone before us? You see, the location of this story is significant. Mount, Hor um, no, Mount Moriah, wrong mountain. <laughs> Mount Moriah um, is the scene of Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. A thousand years later, King David, the, the great king of the Israelites, he climbs Mount Moriah and he makes an altar because the people he leads have sinned and hurt God deeply. And in order to appease God's wrath, David builds an altar and sacrifices to him on behalf of his people. And there, the people find forgiveness. His son Solomon builds a temple on the site of David's altar. And over time, the city of Jerusalem is built and grows around that site. Andrew Wilson writes this. A thousand years later from Solomon, a third temple is established on Moriah. It is like other altars made of wood, a place where God meets man, where sacrifice is offered, and where God's forgiveness for the people is found. But this altar is totally different in one respect. It's shaped 
like a cross. You see, when we look at this story, you see the great substitute that is Jesus Christ on Mount Moriah. His death means that there's no need for sacrifices anymore. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son to save himself. David sacrificed on Mount Moriah to save a people. But God sent his son Jesus and sacrificed him on Mount Moriah to save us all. Because we couldn't save ourselves. That is the amazing truth in this story. And when you read it, Jesus is there from the first word to the last. Um, The death of Jesus ripples through time and space. The reason Abraham didn't need to sacrifice Isaac was because there was a greater one who was sacrificed in his place. And this morning, I want to say to you, when God tells us to go, remember this, remember this. Christ has gone before us. Abraham thought he was being led into the wilderness to a mountain to commit an unspeakable act. Instead, he was being led to somewhere where he was going to find grace. In fact, Abraham didn't leave anything behind. In going, Abraham gained something of immeasurable importance. And the same is true for us. When God says to us, go, God is actually saying to us, come. Come to the cross. Bring those burdens. Bring those difficulties. Bring those fears. And lay them at the cross. And see them crucified with Jesus. And see yourself set free from them. Because when Jesus died, he died for every sin, for every shame, for every failure, for everything that spoils the relationship between us and God. And in exchange, he took that and he gave us freedom. He gave us love. He gave us acceptance from God The very chains that would have dragged us into hell are now gone. And instead, we are declared righteous as sons and daughters of God. That is the incredible truth that we live in today. So as I conclude this morning, I want to ask you, how do you respond to Jesus? How do you respond to the truth that when Jesus sends you, he is calling you to himself and that he has gone before you? And if you don't know Jesus, now is a great time to look to him. Now is a great time. Give your life to him and I promise you, that God is faithful.
He will not take things away from you, but he will take those things he asks you to give, and he will give them back with something much greater, faith and love and acceptance. And those of us who are Christians this morning, I ask you, how are you stepping into what God is calling you to? Sometimes, like myself, we need reminding that Christ has gone before us. And even though we're frightened, even though things are difficult, <coughs> Jesus is waiting to meet us. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself so that there need not be any more sacrifice. Jesus has done it all. And instead of fear, he's replaced that with love and joy. And this morning, you can know that as we believe and trust that Jesus has been punished so that you don't need to be. And that freedom comes from faith. And that leads to freedom. Amen.